Hi, hey there. What's up, cutie? I'm Brittany Marie from Dreamstruck Studio, and you're listening to My Next Era, the cheeky rom comantic podcast for rebellious dreamers and creative misfits. Uh, this is where we talk and we gab about becoming the person that we are becoming, about living life as the main character, and we don't do so necessarily with the intention of having a really nice polished answer at the end. We're simply exploring, we're taking up space, and we're thinking about things and new, fresh ideas. And today, something that has brought me the biggest, greatest, most amazing ideas for my life. You wouldn't think it, but it is. <laughs> we're talking about Akatar, A Court of Thorns and Roses. It is a ongoing series. There are currently five books, technically four books, one novella by Sarah J. Mass. The reason why it's an era is because it will... I know this is a bit dramatic, but if you are a creative misfit, I firmly believe it is going to rock your world. The way that the stories are explored, the way that we are seeing women being written about and um, cared for and nurtured for and the way that they explore their traumas and move past their hardships and really embrace a life that is magical in so many more ways than simply it is a fantasy, but becomes magical to them because they are embracing their sense of I. Upcoming soon, I'm going to bring on my business bestie, Crystal Smith Aguero, and <laughs> we fully get into it on all terms. I was not expecting this episode to be as long as it is, but we just had a lot to say on it, and I should have known better. <laughs> as a toxic monologuer um, and just the way that we were bouncing off of each other in this exploration of this book, and at the end, we also gave you some recommendations to continue through. Those, those are linked in the show notes. Um, but the way that we <laughs> explore this was kind of a little bit all over the place and with so much heart and with so much soul. And, you know, I, I hope <laughs> if you haven't read Ekatar that, you know, by the end of this, we have convinced you and we have brought you into the dark side. This is definitely a podcast episode for one of those long hot girl walks. So plug in, let's go, let's dive in. Uh, Crystal, she is a creative entrepreneur. She is an intuitive brand designer at Bloom Sky Thinking and has now launched forward into uh, a creative endeavor of Earth to Crystal that is linked down below. Um, she has a TikTok that she has created and is exploring different ideas of taking that and furthering that. In this episode, she'll be talking about how this book has encouraged that relationship within her this creative endeavor of Earth to Crystal. And I know a lot about this because <laughs> Crystal and I have talked about it at length. And I feel so honored to know the inside look of what this is going to be. But it truly is a creative endeavor of exploring um, her sense of I, exploring mindfulness and doing the things that she has set out that she said she's going to do 
and really learning about following through and embracing all of that. So um, there's, you know, mindfulness involved, there's, you know, art, there's creativity, um, there's, you know, a little bit of spirituality sprinkled in, um, there's fitness, just everything about, again, embracing your sense of eye and becoming in tune with what you need and embracing the lifestyle that really serves you and that, you know, connects you with the earth and connects you with your soul. It's just seriously, it is the content that I feel like I've always dreamed of consuming (laughs) and Crystal is literally making it. And the fact that Akatar is a part of that process and a part of that awakening for her to do this, I'm just even more excited for y'all to listen to her, hear her gorgeous gorgeous use of language and to dive on in and and see if Akatar is the thing for you. If you have been in your Akatar era for a minute, please give me your hot takes. <laughs> please send them my way. I'm dying to gobble down on them. I'm dying to hear all of your thoughts and hear about, you know, the ways that this has transformed your reading experience positively or negatively. I'll hear all the feedback, baby. I hope it's positive though, because this book, mm, it lives in my heart, baby. It lives in my heart. Without further ado, let's go ahead. Let's bring Crystal on and let's talk all things Akatar. Uh, Crystal, thank you so much for being here. Um, my business bestie and future podcast collaborator, maybe, perhaps, we'll see. How are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm doing really good. I'm so excited to talk to you about this because it's a theme I could literally talk about forever. Um, and with you, even better. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really, really, really excited to to get into it. And thank you so much for having me here with you. Well, honestly, like whenever, I don't know, I don't know why we haven't fully gotten into like this area of social elements, whatever, um, within our relationship. Mm. Cause like you, you are my business bestie. Like when I talk to people, I'm like, oh yeah, my business bestie, Crystal, um, all the time. And, uh, I, we're, I feel like we're so connected on, on so many different elements, but like we've never really gotten into like books or pop culture or anything on that level. And I don't remember who mentioned it first, but when one of us mentioned Akatar, I think it was me. I think maybe I mentioned it to you and you were like, Oh yeah, I've read that. And I was like, what (laughs) missed opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. And anyone who's read Akatar will know that it's as soon as you find somebody else who's read it, you're like, we must talk about this immediately <laughs> so yeah. when we realized we were like ah <laughs> so much to yeah, say yeah okay so I'll tell you what I found Akatar because of TikTok of course TikTok girlies they were like look you gotta read it you gotta do it you just gotta dive in and I was really I was really mm-hmm. hesitant because I mean you know it's about me if if it's very popular I like get away from me. <laughs> if it's a trend, mm-hmm. I'm just usually not interested. I don't know why I have that resistance towards it. And so I saw like all these TikToks about Akatar and I was just like, fine, <laughs> I'll do it. And so I got it on uh, Audible and I was playing my favorite video game, which is The Lawn Dark. It's very dorky. It's a set in dystopian Canada. But I'm obsessed anyway. So I was playing that. And I was listening to Akatar, and at first, 
I was like, what am I listening to? What did the girlies do to me? And then about chapter three, I was, oh, I was gone. I was gone. I was in yeah. it. Well, I, my experience was different because I wasn't really much of a TikToker at the time. Um, I wasn't in the book talk world, which is a whole other world, which I'm now not necessarily like a huge part of, but I know so much more about. Um, but no, it was recommended to me by a friend of mine, Taylor. She and I have read kind of like similar books and have swapped and given each other recommendations, none of which have ever been fantasy. And I would say I wouldn't have considered myself a fantasy reader at all. And it's, it's not really a genre which has drawn my attention too much really over the years, apart from like the standouts, um, like Lord of the Rings or the Harry Potters or the, you know, Game of Thrones of our world. Um, I haven't really explored that genre much. So when she recommended it to me, I was like, uh -huh, yeah, sounds cool, but probably not, you know. <laughs> I was like, I don't really know if it's for me. Um, and she was like, no, 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 honestly, like, give it a go. And I was like, mm, okay. I also uh, downloaded it on Audible because I didn't want to commit, you know, and buy, like, the physical book yet because I was, like, exactly. hesitant. Exactly, kind of, yes, exactly. Yeah. I was like, I just don't know if it's going to be for me. But anyway, um, and I was traveling. I was in the UK and I was spending a lot of time, you know, listening to podcasts and things. So I was like, well, may as well get into, like, a, a series, a book series. Um, and that's how I came across the Akatar series. Okay, so wait, so when did you dive in? Um, so I heard about it early this year and I probably started listening and then eventually reading them um, maybe like in July of this year. Okay, so similar timelines. I think I started listening in maybe April or May. Yeah, it was like pretty much right after I was started getting really sick. And I just needed like an escape. And I think that's why I decided to trust the TikTok girlies. And I have, mm -hmm. because they did me so right with Akatar, I have continued to trust the TikTok um, girlies, the book talk. And let me tell you, Crystal, I don't know if you should go down that road um, because they have done me dirty <laughs> too many, too many times. I have found some great books off of that, but oh, mm -hmm. Let me tell you, the people who are marketing their books on TikTok, have you seen those? They'll like give you the prompts and it's usually the prompts yeah. that are really steamy. Yeah. And yeah, they're like, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. going to, they're going to want to read because of the steam. And I see them and I'm like, that looks like something you should go to therapy for, not write a novel around <laughs> Um, I know. And I have also fallen into that trap. Um, I guess the series definitely unlocks another genre for me, which like, as well as fantasy, it's more like the smut genre of books like yeah. erotica, which yes, I have read like, you know, spicy books before, but I think it's like a gateway to way more spicy content. Um, at least that's how the algorithm seems to work. Like you start here and next thing you know, you're reading like, um, hunting Adeline or whatever it's called, or it's all hooked and it's just like super intense. Wait, have you read Hunting Adeline? No, I haven't. Have you? No, I was gonna, I thought about listening to it on Audible and I, I think I read, I think I listened to the trailer and I was like, no, this is not something that I can listen to. If I'm going to do this, yeah. I have to read, I have to physically read it. 
Well, yeah, so I haven't I haven't gone there yet, um, but I have listened to a couple of other more. So after reading Akhtar, I actually think one of the series that I read straight afterwards was The Sinner's Duet, which is considered a dark romance. Um, the first one is uh, There Are No Saints, and the second is There Is No Devil. And that was so dark in comparison to Akhtar that was like, okay, I'm, I'm seeing where my current limits are. And like, I've started here and then I've gone here. It's maybe not as intense as what Hunting Adelaide is. Is it Adeline or Adelaide? Oh, you know what? I don't know. I'm not hip with it. You know I'm not hip that with one. it. I'm not going to know. Never, I haven't <laughs> well, even heard one. those books you were just talking about. And I'm like, I got to write those down. Well, you know, I don't, they're not as like, I guess, popular. Um, I think I just came across a TikTok and like a little line of it kind of got me. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but it, for me, it was good to read something that was a little bit more on the other extreme. So I was like, okay, so it's not dark romance that I love and like this really intense kind of like smutty content, although love the smut also, that it made me realize that that was probably on the one extreme for me and I needed something a little bit further back. So then, yeah, I've gone on, on a whole journey of like other books since then um to figure out like what my vibe is and it has massively opened up my I guess just my eyes to a whole other genre and and that being fantasy and also probably um more kind of like erotic content which is it's been really interesting it's been a fun journey oh my god it's absolutely it's totally opened up my eyes I for I think you I think you know this I liked before to talk about reading, even though I wasn't an active reader, like there's just something, there's a word for it. I don't, I can't recall it right now, but there's that people who love to be in like bookshops and libraries, but don't necessarily mm. read the books. They just like being around the books. And I've always yeah. idolized reading. Like lo I lost the craft or lost the interest for just a really, really long time. And I've, I've only picked it up in small seasons here and there. And I feel like Akatar is a gateway drug. <laughs> I feel it like is, it's a yeah. gateway drug. And it's so I wasn't really reading it all. Like I would occasionally listen to audiobooks here and there. And a lot of them would be around self-help. If I was going to read something, it was always going to be self-help. I mean, I was always buying books and then just never reading them. They would just go on the shelf. Mm -hmm. um, I love listening to audiobooks. I'm an audiobook girly. Um, mm. like on a lawn car ride, like a road trip, that kind of element, that is my vibe for sure. But to like actively listen to fiction, um, yeah, I just wasn't, I wasn't doing it. And I always told myself that, oh, maybe when I'm like retired, maybe when I'm older, <laughs> you know, maybe then, cause I just had so yeah. much resistance to actually sitting down and reading the things unless I was going to actively be creating something around it, like a play, for instance, or if I was going to improve my journey by engaging within mm -hmm. this text. And it's interesting because I had a relationship with writing, creative writing, so about a decade ago. Um, mm -hmm. And I took classes. I did a lot of different writing, um, short story I did a lot of playwriting um, and I did read then. I read then a lot, as much as I could within class, you know, I class load and everything. But anyway, so then getting into Akatar, I just like, I, I, I was gone, girl. 
I was gone, girl. I finished the book and I had to immediately start on the next one. And I, I didn't just finish with Akatar the entire series. Then I went to A Throne of Glass. And then I went to Crescent City. Have you dived in fully into the Sarah J. Mass world? How deep are you in this? No. So I have a Cres- I have a Crescent City, the first one. Um, the House of Blood and Fire, is it? Um, but based on, so the friend that recommended the Akatar series, she's read it and she was saying like it was a much harder read in terms of like the complexity of the world building and just a little bit slower in terms of the story and I read like the first few chapters and I wasn't like immediately gripped so I haven't given up on it but I've allowed myself to like read other things that have been a little bit more like easier for me since then Um, and I haven't ventured into Throne of Glass the reason I haven't yet is because I hear it is much more well at least the first few books because she wrote them when she was like 16 or something like that um are I guess slower or you know please don't quote me on this but much more fantasy heavy and I know that from the Akatar series my favorite of the series or my favorites of the series are where the romance is kind of like the primary plot and the kind of like action and war and the politics is more of the subplot um and so where I've heard that in some of the other books of hers it's maybe not as much of some romance being the main plot I've been less sort of um keen to to get started on them but I'm pretty sure I'll get there eventually I've just I've just gone on a whole other journey of like exploring books and different yeah different aspects of fantasy and romance and yeah so I'm not there yet but I will be eventually I'm sure (laughs) how have you found the others Oh my gosh. Throne of Glass is absolutely fantastic. I do think that you should read it, but I totally understand. That's really interesting that you, that you bring this up. And also I'm, I'm realizing this too, like rediscovering what my genres actually are um, and what I'm really into. Like I've always known that I've been into magical realism, but the element of, of romance, I think romance in general has been very hard for me to over the years to give myself permission to enjoy and to like, because Mm -hmm. I just grew up around like a lot of male figures. And my dad was the one who always took me to the library. And the idea of him checking out a teen romance book for me was like just the epitome of shame. And I just had a lot of feelings around it. And I wasn't nurtured to like, I wasn't encouraged really ever to read books around around just like women experiencing positive things. And so with Akatar and with Throne of Glass and everything else, Akatar, I will agree, the best parts of the book are definitely the romance. Absolutely, thousand percent. But what I have found is that what I like is instead of if you're gonna dive into fantasy, it's not fantasy romance. I prefer romantic fantasy. Like I think it's so much better when there's a strong world point of view and then there's this strong, mm, yeah, a strong plot. I don't know. I'm just so character driven. And if the entire growth of the character is the romance, I don't know. I just feel like it's just not enough of a growth point for me. I feel like when plot is based more in the fantasy world building or just like in general, in the world building, in the experience, 
then we get to see women explore or young girls. I don't know. Some of these, some of these girls be really young. <laughs> but anyways, that's a whole nother conversation. There was like, like 17 in it. She's 19, but still it's a bit, it's a bit absurd. I, Cause all like, I was looking at the books that I, we're going to get into later about our book recommendations. And they're like all like 1920. And I'm like, why is this? Why are they all aged at this? There's some of these books that I'm like, this would have worked so much better and been more believable if they were like at least 24, babe. Like you're going to find your faded mate at 19 years old. Like get the heck, get out of here. Get away from me. You don't even know what you want at 19 years old. How are you supposed to make a life? I mean, also like if you have found that and you're able to do that, that's amazing. Good on you. I just think it's, I think it's a lot. I think it's a big ask. It's a big Mm -hmm. belief to have someone so young know for, and then they're, and then if they're going to be immortal, have them know for the rest of their life that this is the thing. Like, come on, (laughs) come on. No, it is. It is. But I do love it. (laughs) Yeah, but, but I love it. Um, no, I think I, mean, I agree with you. I think, I mean, I I like the term, it's a romanticy, you know, because it's like there's an aspect of romance in a fantasy world, um, but that doesn't mean that the romance is a fantasy, you know, that it's like it can't be real. Um, and I think, so it just kind of coming back to your point about if the only thing that happens with the character, if the only kind of like story arc is in relation to them experiencing romance and finding their fated mate or or whatever then that's it's yes I'm interested in that but it makes it much more interested a much more wholesome and like holistic and complete story if there is more to their life and more to their story so like what are, what are they experiencing as an individual and um, what are they experiencing in their mental health and their physical body what are they experiencing in terms of like their purpose in the world and I think that's why this series, the Akatar series, is so excellent because it touches on so many of those things. Um, and I think often romance novels, at least historically speaking, have sort of positioned women's only purpose in life to find their man, the man who this, who's going to look after them and bring home the bacon and all of that. And they just have to look pretty and, and be lovable. Yeah, so I think sometimes when it's purely romance and that's the only, I guess, challenge in the book, then it's sort of falls short. But I don't think that applies to this series. There's so much more about it that, yeah, it just in, in, inspired me in so many different parts of, of my life and identified with the characters in so many different ways um, that, yeah, it was it's just so multifaceted as a as a series. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. The way that it has just like skyrocketed my creativity and and also just the way that I think about my life. And again, going back to like being treated nicely, my st- I had no idea that my standards in life or like I knew that I had settled down early. I knew that I had made certain decisions and I was like, yep, this is just what my life is going to be like. No big deal. And then, you Mm -hmm. know, being in like this very like sick state where I wasn't, didn't have any control and listening to, you know, Akatar and these other books afterwards within this genre 
Um, you know, and it's not so much about them like fighting or like harnessing magic or whatever it is, like whatever fantasy like element. It's not really that. It's just more so like them taking on um taking on their power. And so I just, you know, saw all these female characters being able to do that and then also being like loved or cared for or seeked after um as like actual in actual partnerships so women mm-hmm. were being mm-hmm. like held up high they um were being treated well um you know they were like accomplishing these great feats and it just it made it just made me realize how unnecessary it was for me to settle so young and so that's why i mean that's why i just went on that monologue about like oh they're 19 like you know i'm just bitter <laughs> that's all it is i'm just bitter i just really don't feel a way about it i'm just going through something so i'm just projecting but at any rate mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. to see these characters develop this way and to be treated this way and like i'm just telling you what i it's a fictional man for me it's a fictional man for me if he's not fictional i don't want him Okay. I don't want him near me. I don't want him touching me with a 10 foot pole. Okay. Because my, it's skyrocketed my standards and I just, I'm no longer willing to accept what I thought was acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm no longer willing to allow myself to continue to make myself smaller for male figures in my life. Or, um, you know, I have this really awful habit that I've come to realize in this year and this time and through reading um, and seeing these stories that I am so self-sacrificial in the most unnecessary ways. If me making myself smaller or me giving up a part of myself, I just willingly do it. I just take it. I just take it away from me and I just give away the best parts of me to the men in my life because that's what I've been taught to do. They, it would, it would make their life better if I just gave this to them. They don't need it, but I like, I could fix them, you know, or I could, I could fix this gap or it's just, it's always about them males Mm. and what they find acceptable. And, you know, my, and then also being around men who like scoffed at my creative ideas or, you know, the way that I wanted to put myself out there or when they scoffed at women who did put themselves out there. Like, you know, we have such a negative term around influencers. Like, yeah, you can think whatever you want about influencers. And there's definitely like, there's a love-hate relationship for sure. But they're like, they're doing something. They're being creative and they're mm-hmm. going for it. So why do we, mm-hmm. why at every possible turn do we just shit on women? And then we're like taught as women to continue to shit on other women. And again. I'm on a monologue now, but it is just like, it's just completely opened my eyes. And that's why I think people, if you've not gone into an Akatar era, read Akatar. let it take you away. Let yourself, let your standards raise, baby. Let them fly. We deserve so much more. I just like, I feel like I've really mm-hmm. gotten a lesson about being the main character. Something I've been like kind of obsessing over for the last couple of years and I, I feel like I finally understand what that means. And now going through a glow up and it being this like slow but steady, like ongoing journey and 
having this kind of in the back of my mind with it raising my standards, it's just the greatest gift. It's honestly the greatest gift to be shown that I was accepting the bare minimum and I'm, I'm, I'm worth so much more than that. There is no need to settle. Like again, keep a real man away from me because it's fictional men from here on out, baby. (laughs) That's hilarious. I mean, I can firstly, amazing that through the experience of reading this series, you've come to that realization um, which is like so important, I guess, for all women to realize that we don't have to lower our standards and that we don't exist for, you know, like what's the, um, that test that they make where it's like movies that pass the test where woman talks to another woman about something other than another man. It's called like the Bechdel test or something. Do you know that one? Ooh, I don't know. I'm so going to write that down. I'll link it in the show notes. I'm a- probably butchering the name completely but it's basically like well I guess historically speaking there's been so many books and movies where women only ever discuss men and don't have their own storyline so everything you were saying there about like how you can be your you are the main character in your story and sort of letting go of possibly that the expectations that you might have felt of like being there to serve a man or like maybe that's not exactly what you were saying but like existing like alongside a man as opposed to like you being the main character I think those those realizations are are huge and so important um and I think when you were saying about the fictional man um I think like there is obviously something magical and magnetic about the fictional man written by a woman and I think it shouldn't be dismissed as like well it's not real it actually is such powerful insight because what it tells you is actually what women want and how they want to be treated and how they want to be spoken to and how they want to feel or be made to feel. Um, and it's like if, if, if I was a man and I was like listening to this conversation and or I heard, you know, some, some of my girlfriends or people were reading this series and I wanted to improve my relationships with women, I would read this series because it gives you such an insight into how people want to, how you want to, how you want to be treated and how you, not just how you want to be treated, but how you deserve to be treated. Um, and it's not about like being coddled because like, I don't know if we're open to spoilers on this, uh, on this podcast, but you know, I think, certain I characters. Think it's fine. I- yeah. So, you know, certain characters, you know, the whole like Tamlin story arc where it's essentially you kind of, Play, place him on a pedestal to begin with because he like rescues her and protects her and all of that and there are aspects of that which are attractive and at least for the first book you're kind of like rooting for them and their relationship and then as things unfold you realize he's actually taking her power and her choices away um so what the rest of the series and this is why i think it's such an empowering series for women um it, what it, the rest of the series does is actually demonstrates how how powerful a woman can be when she takes that back and when she's listened to, when she's given choices and when she is allowed to have her own opinions and isn't just having other people make decisions for her. Um, So I think there's so much power, so much insight and so much magic in the fictional man written by a woman that if I was a man, 
I would absolutely gobble up this series and listen and read and learn <laughs> and copy. Um, and I have absolutely <laughs> gotten my partner to read every single one of these books. And he's, he's I was about he's to reading ask. Them and, I was about to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's read what them all. What does he think about um, them? He's up to date. He, I mean, well, he read them all for, for starters. So he wasn't not enjoying them because <laughs> you wouldn't read six fat books. And like the fifth one is like, it's not a small book. So you've got to be somewhat into it to be able to get through it. Um, I think, well, he enjoys the balance of, the fantasy, the adventure, the action, um, and the love story as well. It's funny whenever we talk about it, like the things that I remember about the book versus the things that he remembers. Like, I'm like, oh my God. You know, like, okay, one of the most iconic phrases, I think, in the entire series, and please tell me if you agree, is, there you are, I've been looking for you, right? Yes. Did you know that's based off of Howl's Moving Castle? No, I didn't. But I said that to Clark and he was like, oh, I don't remember that. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> he, yeah, like he was like, oh, what bit's that from? And I'm like, oh, my God. So like he, I mean, he remembers more about like, you know, the different uh, wars and battles and who did what and what weapons and that kind of thing. Whereas like I remember super specifically the detail of every single thing that happened in chapter 54 and chapter 55, you know, like that whole part of it is like completely changed my life. And then I'm like, oh, what did you think about this? And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. So he, he enjoyed it, but he enjoyed completely different parts of it um, to me. Um, but what I would say is that it has made such a difference in my life in so many different ways. I would say it has improved my relationship with him. It has improved um, the way that I think about my mental health. It's helped supported me in my own creative pursuits. There's just, Yeah, there's so much in there, which I, I suppose we can get into, but just to bring it back to what you were saying around um, how it is very empowering for women. And I, yeah, I think it's it's really great to hear that it has had that sort of impact on you and I feel very similarly I had a moment where I thought are these books dangerous you know like is this sort of fictional no. fantasy romance are they dangerous for relationships because is like is any of this attainable in real life um and I've, I've come to the conclusion that no I think actually what they have done is they allow you to craft and manifest what you want in reality and I think like what is life really it's a it's a it's writing a story and then living it out and whatever story you're telling yourself is the story that you live out so if you're telling yourself stories and you're consuming content and you're reading things that are inspirational aspirational beautiful magical then your life is going to start feeling beautiful magical aspirational and I can tell you for a fact, my life is so much more magical and so much more inspirational since reading these books. So no, they're not dangerous. They're amazing. No, they truly are. So this is another spoiler. With Akatar, you see these characters be very much in love and going through these motions and then it turning out not to be what it's meant to be. And um, like you were mm -hmm. talking about with Tamlin you know, um, or as TikTok likes to call him, tampon, which I think is very funny at any rate. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and so 
then you see what a real relationship looks like, uh, or at least, you know, for these characters. And you look back on these, you know, like, like Tamlin, who you thought was amazing, who you wanted to give your whole heart to, and realize how not on the level he is and how unnurturing and how much he robs and, and takes and overlooks. Mm -hmm. And it's just so enlightening. I will say too that yeah. I know that you haven't read it yet because it is more fantasy wise. But Throne of Glass, I don't know. I'm going to tell you what, the main character, I think she's an even bigger badass and goes through an even greater story arc than Feyre does. Even though it is more yeah. fantasy-based, and the, I would say the tone of the first three books is very different than the remaining four, four books, five books. There's a mm -hmm. lot of books. It's a very different tone, but ooh, this growth, baby this growth baby. And that is why I'm so into Sarah J Mass now because she writes female characters that go through these incredible leaps and bounds and really own their sense of self. The growth is mm -hmm. just, it's everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what I loved about the series. Um, like, have you read any of the, have you read fourth wing or the second one? Iron Flame. Okay, so Crystal, let me tell you what, baby. I have not read The Fourth Wing because I do, I know that I said earlier, and maybe I am wrong, but when I see something being overhyped, I'm like, no, mm -hmm. I can't do it. There's something about The Fourth Wing that I'm like, that feels sus to me. So I haven't, okay. I have not read it, but I know that lots of people love it. Do you love it? So I'm on the second one. I haven't finished them, um, but I will say that I completely know what you mean, and it is overhyped. And the reason why it's overhyped is because it is romanticy for the mainstream. Um, I would say it's the Colleen Hoover of the fantasy romance oh. genre, meaning that people who wouldn't typically read these types of books are now reading and discovering like dragons and magic, and and I would say. For me, the gateway was Akatar, but I would say Akatar is definitely multiple steps up in terms of quality than Fourth Wing. And um, Fourth Wing, I got through it so quickly because it is a gripping story and it is an easy read. It's like, I, like no offense to Colleen Hoover, I would say she makes books, brilliant books, really like, and I'm, I'm Colleen Hoover is maybe like a side note, but like. <laughs> just she makes reading easy and I think that's great like people get through books and, and like some of her books have had a big impact on my life as well so I'm not like bagging on or dragging uh Colleen Hoover readers but the reason why I say that it's because it's it's accessible it's like anyone can read fourth wing and like just get it and follow the storyline but I don't think that like for example what I imagine throne of glass or like your more pure fantasy books not everyone can read those. Not everyone can enjoy them. They're a little bit more niche. They take a little bit more time to like really get into the world building and understand the world and, and how it all works and fits together. It takes, it literally does take more time and energy to kind of understand the world and, and be in it. And I think Fourth Wing is not that, it's not not hard. I would say Akatar, the first one, Court of Thorns and Roses, gets straight straight into the action um, but across the series, the world building is so beautiful and so just like well done and multi-layered. And the characters are so like 
in depth um, that I would say it's much better than Fourth Wing. Um, but I enjoyed Fourth Wing because it's like it's a fun story and it's a gripping storyline. And as a, a newbie fantasy reader, it's it's very accessible for me. So not to turn this into a story about um, <laughs> a conversation about Fourth Wing, but I guess why I think Akatar has also had so much hype is because it is more accessible than your typical fantasy books, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, something we've kind of been like dancing around and talking around a little bit is what this has done for our creative process in general. As conscious creators, how have you found the Akatar books and kind of this, you know, element and area of reading in general to like really influence your your creativity? Um, well, I would say it's had a huge impact on my life in general, um, and that obviously has included my creative process I think to begin with experiencing everything or like seeing everything through a more kind of like magical lens has been part of that it's kind of okay so for example part of the reason why I haven't read fantasy in the past has been because I thought that I couldn't relate to it or it was unrealistic and therefore you know how is that going to support me in life and as a lover of self-help personal development spirituality um I've been so focused on doing and reading and consuming things that help me in my day-to-day life so there's certain things that I've kind of put into a box of this is not going to support me in growing as a person and therefore I don't need it there are some things that I still like indulge in that I'm like well this is just a personal thing but there have been some things where I have put them in a box as like, this isn't going to support me in my day-to-day life. And fantasy was one of those genres where I said, I don't think this is going to help me. However, (laughs) having now experienced and delved so much into the fantasy genre, I've realized that it gives me, what it has done is kind of like unlocked this barrier of what's possible. Um, And I think certainly in what I do as a creative entrepreneur and designer and artist and creative, it's given me permission to, I guess, like, you know, cheesy, but very relevant, reach for the stars, you know, like really allow myself to dream and come up with things that are so out of this world, literally, again, very fantasy. um, And just, yeah, just kind of have that permission to to imagine and create and remove those limitations. And I endeavor to do that anyway. You know, I named my business, my design business, Bloom Sky Thinking, and um, based on the phrase blue sky thinking, which is the concept of like when you're ideating, remove limitations and allow yourself to really dream like what a, what a, what is a blue sky thinking idea um and i think the process of reading these books has has enhanced that for me massively um and it's allowed me to link i guess what i'm experiencing in the fictional world and in my real life to what i'm doing in my work and thread things through um yeah it's 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 been such a, a amazing eye-opener for my creative process how about you 
Yeah, I well, so something I started doing <clears throat> is um as you know, but I decided that I did want to get back into writing. Mm-hmm. I have just romanticized the work so much over time and I've really attempted, I think my best um to get the most out of writing through through copy and setting up, you know, sales pages, newsletters, whatever else. And I just feel like there's so much pressure on that. And there's been stories that have been in my own heart that I have been imagining and plotting away and scribbling notes on for years. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually, before I got sick, I had decided that just for the sake of it, because I'm really big on being creative for creativity's sake. It is mm-hmm. very, very difficult when you are a conscious creator and you think creatively or you are purely creative because that's just who you are as a person to then put all of that into a source of making money, to turn all of that into a place of where you have to get profit from it. And so mm-hmm. I was planning on taking my sabbatical and working on writing this plot that I had in my mind, which is interesting because there is no plot for it and it was a mess and and it was going to be a really rough time trying to write it. And then I got sick and I couldn't go and then, and blah, 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 blah. You know, the, the story goes on at any rate. Mm -hmm. So I was already thinking about this and I knew how important it was to be reading throughout the process. So I was already receptive. And I think that's why when I started getting sick, it was a pretty quick transition for me to dive into Akatar because I thought, well, let me just go ahead. Let me just dive in. Everyone's mm-hmm. recommending it. And so now being on the other side of this and having to think so much when the thing is, is when I was sick like that and I was reading about these female main characters that had power when I had lost all of the mine, I had I had no control over anything. My fatigue was so extreme. It wasn't even just my body. It was my emotions. It was my heart. It was my soul. It was absolutely such a dark and wild time for me. And I Mm -hmm. had to do so much reflecting. And I started thinking about what it would be like to move to to Melbourne. This is something that you and I have discussed a few times. Um, Mm -hmm. You're based in Melbourne. I've been to Melbourne. I've been obsessed with it for a while. I'm more so emotionally obsessed. I don't know how much I could tell you about Melbourne, but there's just an energy (laughs) um, in Melbourne that really captures my soul. And I've thought about moving there and living there for a short period of time. And as I continue to move through this reading journey, the more of my like creative writing interests and endeavors and ideas came through that I ended up being able to ideate three different plots, um, mm-hmm. like three different storylines. And I've been actively, well, I was actively working on all three at one point, which was kind of wild. Now I have moved forward and this is, you know, that this could have been a short story, but now it's a long story. Um, now I'm taking mm-hmm. a creative writing course. It's actually like a certification and I am actively now writing one of those novels and I have just completed the first chapter 
it's pretty wild. It's pretty crazy. Wow. And Amazing. I feel like all of this work is just doing exactly what I have always said and needed and felt in deep in my heart in that it is so important to have a creative process that is simply for you, for your sense of mm -hmm. eye, rather yeah. than for a financial means. Like something that is talked about within my class with some of my classmates is, um, you know, uh, they all are working on something that they hope to eventually work towards publication. Publication is not something that necessarily we talk a lot about, but it is on people's hearts and minds. I would mm -hmm. not say that it is on mine though. I do want to write something that is excellent. I want to read something that is powerful, that is meaningful, dare I even say transformative. I know it's pretty big, um, but that's my mm -hmm. endeavor. And I'm just going for it for the sake of going for it. Publication is not, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. It's about the craft for me. It's about mm -hmm. the process. And the more that I am able to take on this power of myself and embody the power of these characters and write about a character that is going to move into her own sense of power. It is, it's just, it's so, it's so liberating. And again, talking about that weight and that pressure, it has relieved that in ways that I didn't know I was so desperate for. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The liberation I feel through this work and through the influence of these other stories has magnified what I feel I am able to do within my mm -hmm. business as well. And even think of other avenues that I would have never even considered for myself because again, I had settled, I had accepted, I had just, you know, thought this was, this was the situation I'm going to suffer. And this is just what my life looks like. And whatever, 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 whatever. As to your point earlier, the story you tell to yourself, the story that you accept for yourself is everything. Yeah. And I am so grateful that Akatar is the gateway drug <laughs> that yeah. it is. Because as you have yeah. been saying, I completely agree. It has opened my eyes, opened my heart, opened my soul to so many different possibilities. I am beyond grateful for Akatar. And I know that Akatar isn't for everyone, but goddamn, if you are if you are a creative girly, I don't know. Yeah. I think you should take the drug, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us pushing it. I yeah, I just am so in agreement with everything. Yeah, I guess when you were saying about how it's kind of encouraged you, inspired you to get back into writing. Uh, I think, yeah, for me as well, lots of the different aspects of like for example Feyre uh, and her art so art is something that I always say I think you know how at the start of this podcast you were saying you were you were one of those people that even though you weren't reading books you love talking about books and you love the feel or like going to a you know library or, or, or and you maybe there's a term for it I think I'm the equivalent of that when it comes to art and I'm like I love talking about being arty and creative and like you know, being an artist, but I'm not actually creating art. <laughs> I'm just talking about it and how I'm like a creative, but not creating anything. Well, this, the series really got me into drawing again and creating. And um, after I'd finished a series, I'd start 
listening to another audiobook and then I'd just like draw and just not worry about the outcome and just use it as a way to process and you know similarly to how Feyre does in the in the series and you know the last one Silver Flames with the very physical aspect of training and um Nesta facing into her trauma and mental health and depression those aspects of it really encouraged me to get back into doing like physical movement and training my body and you know seeing what what my potential was and I think like as if reading a book has had that kind of impact on my life where I've like given myself permission to get back into drawing and creating and not worrying about the output as much just the process and encouraged me to get outside and like use my body and you know build muscle you know it's just like I think that's I just think that's such a magical thing about the series um that it's not about female characters that play the damsel in this distress but it's about female characters taking back control making decisions for themselves feeling empowered feeling creative feeling strong um and not diminishing themselves or their power or their ideas and yeah just really going for the things that are important to them um I think that's been so inspiring and I think that I guess the reason why that happens, at least in this series, is like the challenges that the protagonists face are so extreme in comparison to some of the experiences that I'm facing and the challenges that I'm experiencing in my life that I think, well, if this fictional character can bloody get up these 10,000 <laughs> steps or whatever, then I can write this goddamn email. <laughs> so it really has inspired me um, to, you know, do some of the things that I find hard in my own life. Um, so yeah, that's pretty impressive. And if what you and I have just said doesn't encourage someone to start reading the series, then I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> but facts, but that is the situation that is, that is, it is. Um, okay. We have been talking for far longer than I imagined. That's fine. That's just a situation. Also, that is just me. That is my toxic trait and I am here for it to embrace it, to take up all of the space. Um, <laughs> I have to know, one, what is your favorite book? And then two, who is your favorite character? Okay, okay, okay. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I know. That is, well, okay. Um, let me just think about this. My favorite. While you're thinking, I'll tell you mine. Yeah, okay, go on. Um, okay, so my favorite book is um, is the second book, uh, Mist and Fury. Mm-hmm. And uh, my favorite character, and I'll tell you why, my favorite character is now Elaine. Oh. Um, the amount of, I, it wasn't at first, I had to really think about it. And I also was not a big fan of like Asriel. I didn't dislike Asriel. Mm. I just didn't really connect with Asriel. But um, if you were on the TikToks, let me tell you what, once you get in and you start looking up that fan art, I would wait. I would wait. But you do you, boo. Yeah, don't look at the fan art whilst you're reading it. Yeah. 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 Um, once you get into that world, the things that people say about Elaine and how they shit on Elaine and how they minimize her as a character when mm -hmm. she is, she's just like, she's quieter. She's very conscious about how she takes up space and then also her relationship with her sisters and how mm -hmm. she moves through things. Everyone talks about how awful Nesta and Elaine were while they were 
growing up and in, you know, poverty and everything else. And I think that there is some merit to that for sure, or maybe not merit, but like credibility, but also, also, also they were all growing up. And also, 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 they're now in a different situation. They're working on their relationships. They're working on their sense of I. And to mm-hmm. continue to diminish Elaine the way that people have, I am just so stinking stoked for this next book, whenever it'll be, it'll mm-hmm. it'll star Elaine. And I am ready for us to have her internal monologue. I'm ready for us to see her perspective and just the way that she quietly moves through but does so in just a conscious way I think Mm -hmm. it's really beautiful and I love that she is not like this warrior role like everyone else's she's just a woman who does Mm -hmm. you know what we would consider womanly domestic things and she has such value she has such presence and I I just I'm so I'm so looking forward to seeing the way that she is going to, well, this is a very Elaine pun, blossom. (laughs) That is very Elaine. (laughs) I love that. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Elaine. I don't think I would have guessed that. Um, Okay, so also my favorite book is the second, like A Court of Mist and Fury. It's just, it has my heart and forever will have my heart. It's just, ugh the best this and the reason why I love it so much it's just so multi-layered and do you know what it actually makes the first book A Court of Thorns and Roses which when you're reading it it's a relatively basic plot line and storyline and sort of character development but when you've read A Mist and Fury and then you go back and read A Court of Thorns and Roses or at least you like reflect on the first book you realize how intertwined so many of the storylines are and how much more complex they are um so yeah a mist and fury is just oh just love it so much um favorite character that's really hard i mean i've got to i've got to be a little bit predictable and just say i was totally and utterly obsessed with resand like i was like in love <laughs> like in love with him after reading the second book, oh, I was just like, I literally was like, wow, I can't believe I'm in a relationship <laughs> with a fictional character. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Um, and I think what I love about him as a character is that he is unexpected, you know, like he, you, you meet him in the first book and you think he's going to be this, um, you know, I, I think we've said there's definitely spoilers in this podcast, um, but you think he's going to be this villain. And and you know what? He is. Like, he does have this dark side to him. He is a dark person. And he's oh, just so many aspects of him are so complicated and therefore make him such an intriguing, mysterious, interesting character. Um, and, like, the more that you get to know him and, and becomes more vulnerable, um, obviously he becomes more, like, likable, lovable, etc. I think you lose some of the original, really excellent parts of Resand in the later books. I feel like some of the flirty kind of digs and um, sort of like snarky remarks from him in the first few books, you just don't have as much of that side of Resand in the end. He just becomes this like fierce protector of Feyre and like 
I, and also I would say Silver Flames doesn't present him well because it's from the perspective of Nesta and Cassian. So I don't think that's a fair representation of Freesand. But I do think you kind of lose some of the sparkle that I loved about him in the first and the second book. Um, but I want to say that in the last book, I was obsessed with the, um, I guess, the character development of Nesta uh, because I hated her in the first four books. I just thought she was like absolutely unbearable and it wasn't until Silver Flames, and I knew this was going to happen. I knew that when Silver Flame was written from her perspective, I was like, oh, here we go. Here's me kind of eating my words and realizing that Nesta's actually great. Like, she is still a bitch, <laughs> but when you see things from her perspective, <laughs> it does change things. And I was really, really obsessed with the relationship between like Emery, Nesta, and Gwyn and the three women and how they like, become this like beautiful friendship and they go into the blood right together and like they train and they're so empowered and they sort of like transmute their trauma and so many things happen with that part of the like I guess the coming together of those three women I absolutely loved that um so I guess not a favorite character specifically but like the the relationship between those three I was I was really obsessed with um and you know just like a general comment about the the sort of character development of, of the books. Sarah J Mass does such a great job of developing these characters that like outside of the books, I don't know if this happened to you, Brittany Marie, but things in real life, I'd be like, oh my God, that is like such a Cassian thing to do. I'd be like, oh, that is a classic <laughs> Asriel behavior. Like the characters were like so perfectly defined and like the behaviors and characteristics and personalities were so beautifully written that in my real life I'd be like oh my god that is just like classic Cassian move <laughs> and I just think yeah he does such a brilliant job of that I have never gone that far um but now I want to now I want to look at my friends and be like ooh, uh which character are you are you embodying Asriel today who are you baby who are you baby yeah <laughs> I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll just ask myself, which which Akatar character am I going to embody today? <laughs> yeah. I think um one thing that maybe is worth like noting is the difference between reading and listening to it, because I listened to most of them and then read the last couple, I think, or the last one. And the characters are very different, I think, when you read them versus listening. And one thing that doesn't work in Feyre's favor is her voice in the audible like audiobook don't you think it's a little bit whiny i did not appreciate the uh voice change so in the audible series and also they do have i haven't listened to it but the akatar girlies are all over it the audio play like the audio uh acting oh, um, the graphic audio Avatar. that's the one i've listened Thank to you. that's yes. the one i've listened to Oh, okay. That was not the one I've listened okay, to. Okay, but okay. in the they did switch. I think there was I think there's a different voice actress for or narrator for the first two books versus the second two books. Uh -huh. Um and I just felt like this I felt like the second um narrator did get a bit whiny. Um yeah. I didn't necessarily feel like it was the writing. I felt like Pharaoh was very consistent. Mm -hmm. Um and then to see like 
the growth within Starlight, you know, was very like subtle and whatnot and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, no, I found, I found, I, I felt like it was the voice actress and not necessarily the character of Feyre herself. So I haven't read them physically yet, but it is something that I want to do. And like, cause you see all these girlies tabbing. Oh my gosh, yeah, there's yeah, these yeah. girlies that just obsessively read Akatar, Throne of Glass, and Crescent City over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And I will say, I once I finished Throne of Glass, I went I went to the beginning and I read it again. <laughs> really? Have you read like, the so, whole series? Yeah, yeah. I, as soon as I finished it, I went back and I listened to it again. Oh man, that's crazy. But I think listening to it is it's more accessible than reading because like can kind of do other stuff whilst you're listening to it. Whereas if you were reading that entire thing twice, I feel like it would take a long time. I know. Well, here's the thing. I'm a very slow reader. Yeah. Well, I think I've become a fast reader this this year. I've, I've Akatar and other, I suppose I sort of set myself up to read more this year and I have achieved it. But since reading Akatar, I have reached a new level of like racing through books now. I'm just like, like reading so fast. Um, so in some ways I've gone to a very extreme amount of like consuming books and, and things. Um, but yeah, I'm ready for a reread of the series and I want to read the ones that I listen to as actual books. Um, so I'm excited for that. Oh my gosh. At me, <laughs> at <laughs> me, baby, <laughs> at me, let me know when. Yeah. <laughs> I do think, I do think that Again, as you said earlier, you know, if we haven't convinced you now to read Akatar, I don't know what else we could do to to say. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, you know, if Akatar really, if you're feeling resistance towards it, that's fair. You do you, boo. But regardless, diving into stories and thinking about the stories that you are telling yourself, thinking about the stories that you embody, that you listen to, that you see is so, so important. And I think, you know, again, if you read the series or not, then, you know, that is the situation is we have to be so crucial and so like in touch with, with these stories. Mm -hmm. With that, Crystal, I would love to know, I want to go through our book recommendations. Yeah, let's do it. Well, (laughs) it's, can I just say, I probably have like a few, but I want to say that it's kind of hard to recommend books after Akatar because <laughs> it's so <laughs> I completely agree. It would be, it, it, it is kind of like after you read Akatar, how could you possibly recommend anything else? But the journey has to continue on. So if, so what would you recommend then? Well, I have read quite a few like in the same genre since then. Um, and so I'm, I will mention that I read the A Touch of Darkness series, which is the kind of Hades and Persephone saga, and I enjoyed it. It wasn't on the same level as Akatar. Um, it definitely focuses much more on the romance and it's m- like it's definitely like stronger in terms of the spice. But I enjoyed still being in a fantasy world and I did enjoy the characterization of that series. So there's six books, um, three from Persephone's perspective and three from Hades' perspective. I'll confess, and I didn't finish his last one, I think, because I think it started to get a bit repetitive towards the end, but I read like four or five out of the six books. So um, that's the A Touch of Darkness series. 
another duology, I says a series, but there's only two that I, I did enjoy uh, is Dance of Thieves and Vow of Thieves I by Mary Pearson, Mary E. Pearson. That is, it's just a beautiful story. It's, it's again, fantasy um, with a romance plot line, um, not spicy, if that's something that people care about. Uh, but a really beautiful, again, empowering story. So um, that is one that I, I really liked. Um, finally, I mean, I've got so much to say in terms of like some of the ones that I read with high expectations, but those are two that I would kind of recommend. Away from the fantasy genre, I would say that Normal People, Sally Rooney, is just one of my favourite books ever. Um, so if you like relationships and you like a bit, a bit more grit than like your typical fantasy romance, then something like Normal People is just an amazing book. All three of those are on my TBR and I have not read any of them yet because they're obviously on my TBR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, highly recommended. Um, I would start with Normal People, definitely, if you were considering them. Well, I haven't watched the series because, or, mo- or I don't even know if it's a movie or a series. I haven't watched the the filmed version yet because I know that it is a book and I really do want to um, read it first. I've never, like before Akatar, have been pressed about watching um, before reading or vice versa Yeah, because for me, I, I don't find that if I see the movie first and then read the book that it like impacts my ability to get into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually find that they're pretty different. And so I'm able to experience them and enjoy them in their own different ways. But now that I have gotten more into reading, I do feel more precious about it. I do. Uh, I feel more yeah. precious about it. And I I think I'm now one of those people that I've got to read the book first. I have to. I would say read the book first for normal people um but i would also say the series is one of the few where i think the sort of the series slash movie lives up to the book but yeah start with the book i i I would say it is it's better so what are your recommendations so i've i've got quite a few more and what i've decided is um if you are looking in the show notes i have linked a link I'm so clever and witty and elegant. Um, I've linked a link um, to list all of these recommendations. And then um, if you are so inclined, if you have a book that you think would be amazing, dear listener, then I would love for you, if you are on Spotify, I have listed a question for you to give that in. And there's also a poll on whether or not you've read Akatar. I would love to have your input and to see what you think. Oh my gosh, I can, I'm just so excited to talk about books with you guys. But yes, okay, Crystal. So let me, let me see. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you if you've read them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I've got Kingdom of the Wicked, which is a trilogy by, uh, actually I don't know how to say her last name, but Carrie Ma- uh, Maniscalco. No, Menis Menis. Galco. I should have looked it up. By <laughs> Carrie Menescalco. No. Have I you have, have you read it? No, Kingdom no. of Wicked. I was really reluctant to read it because I was like, oh, it's just, you know, it just it looks so silly. And because I, I do, I do, Crystal, I judge a book by its cover. Do you do that? 
Oh my God, 100%. Like, I've got to say, if I don't like the look of the cover, I don't want to carry it around with me. I don't want to sit and look at it. So I will 100% judge a book by its cover. Oh my God, I'm str- so this is a side tangent. I am absolutely struggling to get through this book that my friend recommended to me. It's the cover. The cover is so awful. <laughs> and also it's a really long book. It's like 27. I'm listening to an audible. And so um, it, it's called Empire of the Vampire by Jay Kristoff. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what it is just it is it is a it's an awful cover. It is so bad. It's really holding me back. So I'm trying because my friend recommended it to me and I want to honor that and they enjoyed it. So I want to enjoy it. But oof, that mm-hmm. book cover that book cover is doing me dirty. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. The book cover does matter to me. (laughs) Um, Kingdom of the Wicked, I've written it down. Yes. Yeah. So Kingdom of the Wicked, it's got the skull on it and I'm just not, I, it's not that I am like totally against, you know, macabre things. I just, there's something about a skull that I feel like is overhyped or overused because of Halloween. Mm. Um, and so when I saw that, I was like, oh, I don't know. And I'm so glad that I finally read it. It is absolutely wonderful in the way that, yes, the world building for sure, but the way that it explores the seven sins and characterizes them. And I love, I love the use of like Spanish and Italian and language in general throughout it. I just think it was, I just think it's really, really well done. I, I really, really loved it. Um, Okay, the next series that I have is Shatter Me by Tahere Mafi. Have you read the series? I haven't, but I was literally about to pick that up yesterday. Um, and I instead picked up the second of the fourth wing series. But I have heard great things and it's definitely on my list. Put it put it next, babes. Put it okay. next, babes. It is great recommendation. Oh my god, it is so gripping. I also went back and reread some of the books after I finished them. Really amazing. Okay, it's, that's that's a great, yeah. great record. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, it's really, it's very sad in the beginning. There's a lot of like identity issues. There's this kind of exploration of like being a mutant, which sounds really weird, but it's very artistically well done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really great like you know feminine energy in this and embodying mm-hmm. your sense of power and your sense of self and the the love uh triangles are really good (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. just the the whole like world and kind of dystopia element of it is just gorgeous absolutely gorgeous okay the next the next book that i have which is the start of a series that is still being written so there's only one book out but it's called divine rivals by rebecca ross okay so i was gonna say the reason i was gonna say about the book cover thing everyone recommends this and i think the book cover is just not my vibe and that's one of the reasons why I haven't started it but I've heard great things about it okay so I'm with you I also felt the same way about it what got me in you know I love you've got mail there is Mm. some you've got mail aesthetics within divine rivals and that's what got me into it (laughs) okay yeah 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 the first of an unfinished series okay I know. And that the thing and that also that's one of the things I'm talking about with TikTok because TikTok told me that it was a standalone. It is very yeah, clearly why? not a standalone. I was at the end of this book and I was like, how the hell is this the end of this story? So I Googled it and it was like, no, there's another one on the way. And I was like, TikTok, 
how dare you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how dare you do this to me? Yeah. Ugh. Okay, the next one is, this is a trilogy again. It's called The Cruel Prince by yeah. Holly Black. Have you read that? No, these are all literally on my TBR and I'm just like, I'll get, are they really? I will get the only one that the wasn't cruel was the first one, Kingdom of the Wicked, or maybe, maybe, yeah, um, yeah. But these, all of these, I'm like, yep, yeah, I'll get to them. The Cruel Prince is really fantastic because, again, if we're talking about romantic fantasy, it is a political story. It's very political, um, very much about like hierarchy and moving in and caring for a place as a denizen. It's very, very cool. Very, very cool. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, the next one. I don't know if this is on your TBR, so we'll see. Now, this one is steamy. This is like this I would consider to be smut. Like it is yeah. full on smut. It is a also um, a series that is be- currently being worked on. I've been recommending it to everyone. The story is absolutely fantastic. It's 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 a why not no why choose why choose I think that's what it's called like a reverse harem. It's which is wild oh, to me. Yeah. I didn't know what any of that was before I picked up this book. So let me tell you what, when I was shocked, I was shocked to my core, but it is good. Anyways, it's called Bonded by Thorns by Elizabeth Helen. Bonded by Thorns. Okay. Yep. It's currently being self-published. It's written by two sisters who thought about Beauty and the Beast and wanted to rewrite it in this like romantic, again, why choose uh, storyline. And it is absolutely gorgeous what they have come up with. I'm obsessed. I could not finish it sooner. I did listen to the first book in audio. Um, and then I had to, you know, go again and reread it. Okay. These are excellent. I'm so excited. And then the last one, I will have more recommendations on this list, but this la- but this last one that's within the same genre is and this one is another self-published one i almost skipped on it because i just wasn't sure from tiktok but it's uh it's 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 a novella so it won't take very long and it's like you know like four dollars or whatever on kindle and it's called at the end there was you by wendy heiss and Mm. if you were to ever read a book that captured my whole heart and soul, if you want to get to know me on that level, <laughs> baby, read it. Let's talk about it at me. I am obsessed. It is so gorgeous. Now, here's the thing. It is self-published and it's self-edited. And I'll tell you what, it's a little clunky. But the story itself, it blew me away. I loved it. I just think the simplicity of it and like the myth, the mythic element, mm-hmm. I loved every moment of it. I couldn't put it down. Okay. Sounds, sounds amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to dive in. I'm like, this is, so, this is so exciting because I mean, I already have like pretty much all of these on my TBR, but just like getting your recommendations and like your sort of review on them just makes me trust those recommendations even more so <laughs> can't wait oh i've moved your recommendations up on top of the list uh, th- those are the next in queue baby i'm doing it <laughs> <laughs> get into it get into it well fabulous well we have been talking for like forever i i don't know why i didn't expect this um <laughs> and i feel like we could actually continue to talk about yeah. Akatar forever i feel like we've just scratched the surface mm-hmm. which is so 
soulfully like fulfilling and magical and amazing. And the fact that we get to like talk about this on this level and just you being on this podcast and joining me while, you know, it's in the, you know, kind of beginning stages. Um, I just, I appreciate you so much, Crystal. You, that book at the end, there was you has my whole heart and soul, but you also have my whole heart and soul. And I just adore you absolutely (laughs) completely. And I could not have imagined talking about this with anyone else or anyone else helping me discuss Akatar in a way that does it justice. You are just fantastic. Thank you so, so much for being here. Oh my gosh. Like, I think I'm going to cry. But also, also just to say, um, this is like literally my dream because if somebody a few months ago when I was like so consumed with the world of Akatar had asked me, what would you like to talk about for an hour and a half on a podcast? <laughs> what could you just like nonstop talk about forever? I, it would 100% be Akatar. <laughs> so when you were like, do you want to do a podcast talk about, I was like, um, yeah. Like, did you just like read my dreams? <laughs> because I could literally talk about this for so long and yeah, to be able to like unpack this with you and sort of relate it to like how it's impacted our lives and how it supported us in like various different pursuits. Yeah. What a, what a uplifting conversation and just so amazing to kind of hear your perspective on it. It's just been it's been so fun. Thank you so much. What an honor. It's It's been brilliant. You know, I would never do you dirty. And I have all of your links within the site show notes. So if you guys want to catch out Crystal, um, catch Earth to Crystal, please go check that out. I love this journey of being able to explore this and, you know, discover this alongside of you while you're in this movement and talking about so like mindful, present things. You literally inspire me. And so, you know, people don't sleep on Earth of Crystal. Let's dive on in. I'm so excited for people to become as obsessed with you as I am. (laughs) And just thank you so much again for being here. I adore you. Thank you. Thank you you so much for having me. You're the best. Fantastic. Okay. Well, friends, until next time, I will see you for our next era. I'll talk to you then. (laughs) 